Hi, everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Florida Spectacular. I am Kathy, joined, of course, by Rick. Um, and today we are going to talk about how not to get eaten by a python. I think that's a good <laughs> episode, right? Um, so, no, we are going to talk about invasive species, but I, I, I have to start with a story and I'm not trying to make fun of somebody. So I'm not going to use their name. But it does kind of typify some of the mystique that's out there about our invasive species. I um, met a woman this week who uh, found out I was kind of a Florida person. And she said, oh, you know, I've always wanted to go watch the python hunt everywhere. And I started talking to her and I said, well, you can't really watch the python hunt. You have to go with somebody because it's not like in a certain space in the Everglades is massive. Um, and she's, you know, she's really excited about it. And I said, but I said, I, I do know somebody who knows a few Python hunters thinking of course, of my friend Craig Pittman, who did a wonderful article for, um, Flamingo about, uh, some women in St. Pete who go Python hunting in the Everglades. And I said, I could probably get you in the, um, on a hunt, like they'd probably be willing to take you with them. And then I said, hey, are you comfortable firing a gun? And she said, well, I, I, I can, but why would I need to? And I said, well, I said, you know, it's, um, it, 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 it's a situation where, you know, some of these pythons can get pretty big. And, and if you get into a bad, you just need to know how to fire a gun. She goes, well, don't they lasso them? <laughs> <laughs> and um i said no <laughs> and i just looked at her and said no they, they they have to shoot them and uh you know i feel bad i'm not trying to make fun of her but i'm trying to raise a larger point because it's not her fault she said well they you, know, you see the some of the people who do it they have like chaps and cowboy hats on so i just thought it was like you know they would lasso them and remove them i'm like no they kill them um, come here little in- doggy come here and and so she she said, "Well, I don't want to go kill them." And I said, "Well, unfortunately, um, that that is what you have you have to do." And you know, in in reality, I found out. Craig told me later, the way they kill them, like, you can't just shoot them. You actually have to put a bolt through their brain. Like, oh, they're they're not easily killed. It's pretty pretty brutal. Um, so, but that got me thinking because you know, in Craig's article, which is really probably the best Python hunting article out there in the in the florida canon of python hunting literature um he talked about and i text i sent him an email i said man i said i think we're doing a disservice people don't actually realize what's happening we need to break it down for people and talk about you know python hunting is not um it's not a spectator sport it can be dangerous and here's how it happens but it got me thinking about all our invasive species in florida and um i don't know I think we scare people, right, um, when we talk about them. And then also, I don't know that people understand why some of the invasives are bad. So I thought we could take a little break from our travelogues and talk about um, some of the invasive species, um, whether or not you should be concerned about them for your own safety, and you know, just the ins and outs of things that are trying to take over Florida. This is, this is part of a talk I give called Florida's Florida's not trying to kill you, but it could if it wanted to. Um, 
because some of the things are um, worse than others. And pythons are not going to come up into your front yard and kill you. But yes, they will take your dog. They will, you know, if you if it comes down to you against them, there are pythons in the Everglades that are large enough to wrap themselves around you and squeeze you till you die, right? Um, but, and this is a big but, um, I have been in the Everglades recently, several times, different parts. I have not seen a python. Now, of course, I'm camping there tonight on the western edge. So now that I've said this, there'll be like one outside our trailer when we wake up or something. But, um, you know, it's um, it's not as bad as I think we like. No, it's bad. Let me put it that way. The pythons in the Everglades, it's bad for the Everglades. It's bad for the native species. But I don't think it's as dangerous as we make it sound for the average person going about their day. You think I'm crazy? You think I'm wrong? Hit me up. Well, you know, pythons are just the tip of the iceberg. I think that's the the most, you know, it depends on where you live. They get a lot of publicity. They got a lot of ink right now. It's kind of a fun, you know, it's like Florida, man. It's fun to talk about. There's a, you know, there's a reality television show. That's my where my experience comes from. Every once in a while, I'll watch it. And these guys, you know, they walk around in the woods. They always find them. I sometimes I wonder if they're planted because they're always find them. They grab them. They grab them by the head. You know, they they're silly. You know, and there are you can watch people get bit on that show. And I'm not sure if it's the History Channel or Animal Planet or what show it's on, channel it's on. But you know, they grab them and they put them in a bag, and then they must kill them afterwards. But you know, you, when you think about it, invasive invasive species are everywhere in Florida. You know, you were talking about the lionfish, which is a huge problem in our saltwater. You think talk about tilapia, which is a huge problem in our freshwater and armored catfish and snakehead and all these things that were never meant to be in Florida waters. And then you think about the plant species. I have stuff in my backyard that should never have been in Florida and it goes crazy, this stupid cat's claw vine. You know, it takes over and it climbs up to the top of the tree and you see these yellow flowers. And where did the yellow flowers come from? Well, this vine has made its way all the way to the top of the tree and is dropping these yellow flowers that you don't even see anywhere else unless you look 30 feet up in the air. Um, So everywhere you go in Florida, there's exotic species. And, you know, that one of the questions I have if these species have been here long enough, when do they stop becoming exotic and when do they become? you know, acceptable. It's kind of a long thing. A great example is I have two kind of aquatic willows. One I think is Peruvian, one is Mexican. And I read somewhere that, you know, they are not like native plants, that they don't, they aren't hosts to different kinds of um, insect larvae. Well, I've seen caterpillars on them just chomping down on the leaves. So that's not true that maybe this particular species has been here long enough that now it's kind of comes with the territory. I don't know. What do you think? So I have, at the core, I have a real issue with how we define what is invasive or exotic. Because what we did is we said, if it wasn't here in 1491, it is exotic. It is not native, right? So that's another way of saying it. And the reality is that is a very colonial viewpoint of... Um, it operates under this assumption. It really does. If you, if you really think it through, it operates under this assumption 
that the people who lived here before the Euro-Americans showed up, the Europeans showed up, certainly weren't smart enough to bend anything to their will and they didn't bring anything with them when they got here. And I don't, I, I, I reject that because we know that, um, you know, a lot of our first people in the United States, uh, you know, I think the land bridge theory is being rejected by some, but not everybody who was here in 1491 uh, started life on the North American continent. Some of them came from somewhere else. So I, I think to, to say those people didn't bring anything with them either um, kind of minimizes that. And and so I am not so concerned with exotics because I think it's a stupid definition. It is an arbitrary date we picked based on the idea of the white guy as a conqueror. That said, invasives are different. So when I think about invasives, I think about what's an established thing here. And if something new comes in, um, how did it get here? Um, you know, there's a big difference between a bird migrating and pooping out a seed that takes over a certain biome or an ecosystem and somebody dumping their entire collection of reptiles into the Everglades. <laughs> I mean, so I just kind of look at, at that, but I think, you know, we have waged absolute war on Australian pines and it breaks my heart because one of, one of the greatest sounds in the world that, no Floridian today, if they haven't ever heard it, they probably never will, is the wind through the Australian pines at night. Um, and somewhere along the way, they were in all of our state parks. Somewhere along the way, they decided, oh, these Australian, they're, they're exotic invasives and we, we have to cut them down. And I, I, I've heard all the arguments. And the one that makes me laugh the most is, well, they won't last through a hurricane. You know, their, their, their root system is too shallow and it, it poisons the soil and nothing else can grow there. And as far as, you know, this exotic invasive having to come out because it won't last in a hurricane. After Hurricane Irma ripped through the Florida Keys and there were trees down everywhere, my favorite tree in the world, Fred, on the Seven Mile Bridge, who's growing in asphalt in the sand that's supposedly in the pylons in that bridge. Um, Australian pine. Fred was still there after the storm. So, you know, screw that theory. I think, you know, we have to think about it. Um, Australian pines again, and this is, I shouldn't have started because now I get all ramped up. Um, Long Key State Park, very skinny state park on US-1, had Australian pines dividing every campsite. It was this beautiful shaded park. And the state park came in, removed them all. They're exotic invasives. They're not, they're shallow root system. Well, it, first of all, uh, changed how pleasant it was to camp there, which is fine. That's most RVs have air conditioning and tent campers in the keys know what they're getting anyway. Uh, but again, during Irma with no trees to anchor the sand in all the sand from us one or from the feet from the park ended up on us one, the park was decimated. So, I mean, I think we unfortunately tend to be a little bit more black and white, you know, humans can only practice moderation if they do it full force ahead. Uh, and you know, we, we either it's all bad and it has to go or it can all stay. And I think there has to be a little bit of a line there. I mean, I have um, our show's producer, Chad, is big, big, big into Native Plant Society. And he's great if I have a question about wildflowers or anything like that. But I can't 
Chad is great. And I'm not talking about Chad, but some of the native plant people are so um, militaristic about it. it. You know, like, cause I have, I have banana trees in my yard. They're not native, you know, it's stuff like that. I, I, citrus is not native. Citrus is considered exotic. And where would Florida have been without a citrus industry for so many years? So I'm a little more measured. I think the pythons are probably bad, but that's because I don't like the idea of all our good snakes getting eaten by them. Um, They they haven't evolved here naturally. It wasn't like I said, a bird didn't poop out a python seed and they started growing. And um, there's not as many defenses. So I I think that's the that's the thing is that that you know they squeeze when it starts squeezing out you know, the, the things we call natives again, which is in some ways subjective, you know, a great example is cattle egrets. Cattle egrets are not native to Florida. They blew over here from Texas sometime. Wait, really? Yeah. Not, yeah. I did and not so, know that. And so, you know, what, what is native and what is not, but I think, you know, like tilapia and, and armored catfish is a great example. Um, you know, they were from people's aquariums, you know, they dumped, they were algae eaters on the, you know, little bitty things you'd have, and then they get really big and big and big and they're too big for your aquarium. So you dump them in a body of fresh water. Now you see them everywhere and they burrow these holes, you know, in the side of, of banks and, you know, that cause erosion. And you'll see those armored catfish everywhere you go, and you won't see very many of the, you know, the native channel catfish that I grew up with that were, you know, these wonderful kind of monstrous fish that got huge, you know, their heads were as big as human heads when they got to be these giant mature fish. And I was fascinated with them. You rarely see those anymore because of the uh, prevalence of these well, I call them plecos, which um, are these armored catfish, I think originally from Brazil or someplace. So I think that's the key. When they start to squeeze out our native habitat and our native animals and our native native plants, um, the other one, you know, you talked about the Australian pines is the Brazilian pepper trees. You see them everywhere and they are um, really tough to get rid of and they they're beautiful. But they're um, they grow so thick, you know, and their branches kind of overlap. They squeeze everything else out. Um, it's a tough call, though. What what to leave and what to remove? I, you know, we had our native plant um, show, and um, our experts talked about non-native milkweed. And I have non-native plants that are for pollinators in my yard, and they are very popular with the the you know with the bees and the butterflies. Um, I work really hard on trying to establish native plants, but I've had a very high attrition rate. So um, it's all an experiment and it continues. I'd love to have nothing but natives, but I just it's not realistic for me right now. It's um it's a tough, it's a tough, tough call. Um, you know, because it, it is you want to do what's best for the environment around you. Yeah. But it's hard to um you know, it, native is different for everyone, right? Native is what's native for you out in central Florida is going to be very different than what's native for me yeah. out on the coast, right? So it's it's not one size fits all. Um, it it's it's more nuanced than that. Like um I have sea oats in my yard. We had actually had them planted here. Now I'm not I'm not at water's edge yet. I figure in 20 years, probably. <laughs> um, 
but um you know they do they do just fine and um but i don't think they would do fine out by you so no 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 yeah what's native to you is not native to me and so you have to be very careful um with that and and i have to tell you too rick i am i am guilty of when i was a teenager or younger i had a tropical fish tank and when I didn't want it anymore, my dad and I went down to the causeway and we dumped the fish in the water. And so there's at least one placostomus out there, probably because of me. <laughs> and I will say, in my in my little retention pond in my neighborhood, which is just I love that we build these retention ponds when we build a um a sidewalk or a, I'm sorry, a, a subdivision, you know, we we put the pond in and we put a sidewalk around it, and it's not natural and it becomes this whole thing that has um overgrown everything and wildlife is everywhere we've got limpkins we've got um you know gallinules we have all this stuff and then we have big ass catfish like i have seen placostomus that are easily two feet long um so you know it's it's they do take over they do adapt um life it's my firm belief that life flourishes most abundantly the closer you get to the equator. And we're just a lot closer to the equator than North Dakota. You know, it's going to be a long time before we see pythons in North Dakota. It's too I, wor- I worry about, you know, like when you go further south, you see there's a, iguanas everywhere. And I we worry about, you, you have iguanas over there? We don't have as many. Like you go oh. down to the Keys where I'm headed very, very shortly. Yeah. And they're all over. Like yeah. you, they run out in the road. My dogs are fascinated by them. Um, but yeah, I've seen iguanas here and there. We are just on the edge of the freeze line. Like So Pinellas County is weird. Palm Harbor, Tarpon Springs is the north end of the county. Gulfport and South St. Pete is the south end of the county. And I am pretty sure a uh, hardiness heat zone bisects us because... I mean, people, we can grow frangipani down here, which I know are not native, um, definitely not invasive. Uh, we can grow them great. And I have friends who come up from, come down from North County, like, how do they grow so great? I'm like, it's hot here. I have a gumbo limbo tree in my yard, which is right at the Northern edge. It's never going to be massive like the ones in the Keys. Um, so it's not native to where I live, right? Gumbo limbo is not native to Pinellas County. So I have technically planted an invasive or an exotic. Because it's only native to South Florida. Um, it's a moving target. I mean, I think at the end of the day, the best thing I can say is, you know, don't plant Brazilian pepper because it is part of the uh, poison ivy family. And I react to it. So I don't want it around. Um, and, uh, you know, it's also some things maybe better to have in a pot. Right. Yeah, like, so if yeah. you really, really, really think Brazilian pepper is gorgeous, put it in a pot. Um, don't dump your fish in the ocean or the Gulf or the lakes when you're done with them, because that's, that's a bad idea. Um, you know, it's pythons are the worst things we can think of right now. And the only thing I can say with any degree of certainty is there will be something behind it. That's so much worse. (laughs) And lionfish, lionfish are really bad too for aquatic environments. Well, if they could just get them on the menus of more restaurants, they're apparently delicious. Yeah, um, that's what I hear. They're they're you know they're gorgeous. You know, and like you know the what do you call the armored catfish? Placa? You say that placostomus or placos? Placostomus. Yeah, placostomus. 
are such interesting looking creatures. They look like they're from another world. They're fascinating looking. I actually did they're sculpted like one. They're like little dinosaurs. Yeah, they're amazing. And I, they're, you know, they're, it's interesting that um, my vet down the street has a big fish tank and they have one and I'm, you know, I have to watch it the whole time because it's just so, so and it's kind of a larger one. So interesting to look at in in the water, but that you know they shouldn't be here uh you know a couple interesting stories when we did after that we did the wildflower the native wildflower episode our guest came over and gave me some advice in my yard and i have this plant called it's a vine um calico flower or dutchman's pipe and i the main reason i got it is it's a larval um plant for a certain kind of caterpillar i think it's zebra long wing or something like that anyways certain times of the year it's covered with caterpillars she's chomping down on the leaves well she said she looked it up it's like oh that's a class one invasive and and i'm like i don't think i've ever seen it you know uh, go beyond this initial vine which basically takes up one side of my yard um it creates privacy so i allow it to spread and then I realized that these little things that look like parachutes, that these weird little seed pods came from that plant and they were everywhere. And so I am not doing the right thing, but I'm also feeding a heck of a lot of caterpillars that will turn into butterflies. So again, that that conflict. The other thing I think about when I was a kid, we had a place on the St. John's River and it was inundated with water hyacinths. And, you know, water hyacinths, somebody brought... I think from Asia, perhaps because they like the purple flowers, and then you know they they can track it down to a, a certain individual and a certain date. Like I think it was in the 1870s, and where we were on the St. John's River, we had our place. You would just the the river would get clogged. You know, it, the St. John's River is the largest river in Florida. It would be totally clogged with water hyacinths, and they were everywhere. Like to go to a spring that we used to like to go to, you had to stop your boat, get out in the water and wade through the water hyacinths at face level, thinking, you know, there could be a water moccasin behind any one of these in order to get to the spring. And now they harvest them and they're, they're under control more, but that's an instance where somebody brings something exotic to Florida because it will grow here and is beautiful and it takes over. And you, you, there are these these vintage photographs, archival photographs of steamboats that are just stuck in water hyacinths because it t- took no time at all for them just to spread everywhere on all these waterways in Florida. So it's it's a complex problem, and I th- I think you um. You've hit upon a a, a, lo- a very interesting topic that you know. I don't know that we have the pot of plants. I think is a good solution if you want an exotic. Don't let it out and make sure that the little seed pods don't fly everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I have a I have a plant. My friend Tamara brought me. She I don't know. She must have purged her plant. She lives up in Spring Hill, which is the next county north. And she came down with all sorts of things. Um, and one of them, she goes, "Okay, this one. It's called Mother of Thousands. Leave it in the pot." <laughs> And don't put it near anything else because it will flower and it will create and literally mother of thousands. I'm like, great. Part of the problem. That's me. I'm I'm there. (laughs) So I have a trivia question for you. Okay. If we are going by the Euro-American colonial version of what is an exotic invasive? What was the first exotic invasive to show up in the United States? Where did it show up? Two-part question. My guess would be uh, 
pork or pigs, feral hogs, and it came with DeSoto or maybe Ponce de Leon, but I think probably nope. DeSoto, probably somewhere over by you, um, Tampa Bay. Tampa yep. Bay. Hogs. They, the, the rumor, of course, is the rumor of the legend. I guess it's a legend after 500 years is that um, the legend is that they came with one head of hog and by next year there were 500 and every <laughs> pig in North America came through Tampa Bay. Its ancestors all came through Tampa Bay. And with apologies to the vegetarians out there, um, I have no qualms about eating pigs if they are humanely killed because if that's not an oxymoron, but you know what I mean? Because they're mean, they're destructive, um, and they're tasty. And and, So are um, you talking wild hogs? Are you talking about those cute cute little piglets that, you know, look like dogs piglets and will revert to looking like a wild hog in about a week <sighs> in the wild don't let them fool you it's all a ruse um pigs are we're gonna weird. we're gonna have to disagree on this pigs can have an they, they can they can pleasure themselves i have a friend who has a pig <laughs> and their um climax can last 30 minutes oh, God. so on that basis alone you should resent them and uh <laughs> but no i mean so they um i i i always prefer wild hog always 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 prefer wild hog when um we were putting in our pool we hired a company to do some of the landscaping and the hard hard surface area that was run by nicely put a good old boy and um he and i got to talking and he knew i liked pig and i knew that he hunted and we had um Nobody has a good pool story. Let's put it that way. And this was a really bad pool story. It took nine months to put our pool in. They had to rip out the hot tub twice. Um, very first world problems. I get it, but that was still a very expensive problem. And I was getting more and more irritated with them. And the man brought me a hog. I was at work in Ybor City and my husband calls me and says, honey, why is there a dead pig in a cooler in our garage? <laughs> And um, we got a local restaurant to cook it up and they offered it free because I guess they couldn't really sell it. But they said, we'll do we'll do happy hour and people come in and eat it free. And they put it in a china box. And, um, you know, it, it, it was delicious. I mean, that sounds really bad. I know you don't eat meat, so I don't want to torture you. But um, hogs are such a problem in Florida that one, it is the only thing that there is not a season for. You can hunt hog throughout the year, as long as it's legal to hunt there. The other thing is our state parks actually have traps set, like Mayaka, Mayaka River State Park has hog traps set to catch them. Um, when when Barry and I got married, uh, we had a dinner the night before for everybody who was in from out of town. And um, I wanted to do another, uh, another, another um, whole hog. And uh, we hired somebody to come in and do it, but we had to find the pig. And of course, I know people. So I called my friend Jono. He wrote the book about palm trees. I'm like, hey, you know where I can get a feral hog? And he goes, yeah, hold on a second. And he gives me a number. You hear a gunshot. (laughs) (laughs) I can't see Jono killing anything. He's very, he's too sweet natured. Um, But no, he got got me the name of somebody. Uh, My husband and his brother went down to pick it up in Sarasota. And from the story they told, the kid who got it, it was off a ranch. The ranchers also have traps because the hogs are a problem. 
And this kid, my husband said he had to be like 14 or 15. And this was like his after school job was to kill and dress the hogs and sell them to people. Wow. And I thought, well, that is, that is, that is definitely more engaging than working at a sub shop. That is some life experience there. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's a problem. It's a real problem. And I will take a wild hog over something raised, raised as meat any day because it, there's a lot of kindness in that. I'm a big fan of, I don't hunt. I can't, I can't make myself do it, which should tell you I should not eat meat, right? If you can't kill it yourself, you shouldn't yeah. eat it. But um, I have friends who hunt and I love it when they offer me something because I at least feel like the animal didn't suffer. It had a really good life. And in the case of a hog, we're doing something good for Florida by eating wild hogs. Yeah, when, you, when so. you're out in a wild place and there's hogs in the area, you know it. It destroys the landscape. Oh, they, they, they root around and dig holes and it's just they make a huge mess. And it's, you know, I've seen it all over. And you know, there's a place, Split Oak Forest, which is wonderful uh piece of um, protected land near Orlando. It's about a half hour away from me. And you can find the parts where the hogs are. They just, they just make it, they destroy it. You know, I have interesting stories. You know, my dad hunted when he was a kid and um, I grew up in Gainesville and um, they used to have these faculty pig roasts. My neighbor was a professor at UF and my dad would sometimes would supply the hogs. He would go out and shoot them. <laughs> and um, sometimes they use buckshot. So you had to be very careful when you ate because sometimes you would find buckshot in your, in your pork. Um, and it was a bit, it's like, what is that crunchy thing in my mouth? And it was a piece of buckshot and it, it was delicious. I, you know, I love barbecue sauce and, you know, I love pulled pork is, is something that I miss. It's, jackfruit is not quite the same. Um, I do like the taste of it, but you know, it's interesting. You should talk about this because they had a, an ethics guy on um, national public radio yesterday. And I was coming back from an event and listened to it. And he talked about a lot of the ethics of these things might be useful if we put a, a talk about uh, a, a link to that because it's big questions. And I'm not saying there's one way that's better than the other. It's, you know, a personal decision, but you know, he brought up the point that we live in a situation where everything we do is an ethical question. You know, when you go to the grocery store, what you buy is an ethical question. And we have all this knowledge that our ancestors didn't have knowledge or the luxury to have in the past. You know, we have the luxury to know where our food comes from and we have to make decisions that work for us. And it's complicated, just like this this whole content of the show is complicated. It's 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 definitely complicated. I have friends who are just devout vegans, but they won't buy organic produce. And I'm like, well, because some of them are saying, well, you know, the carbon footprint of a hamburger. I'm like, well, you know, you're not doing great things by buying conventionally grown produce either. I mean, there's choices we make all the way down the line and it's, it's, it's convoluted and it's certainly not going to be answered in a 30, 35 minute podcast. But I will tell you, I am hungrier than ever now. And I know you probably (laughs) don't like that. Um, and I got I got a drive ahead of me, um, and our ne- I think next week uh, next week our guest is going to be another Florida podcaster. Oh, really? Who's that? Um, well, if I tell you now, oh, okay. you come back. Well, um, am I am I not invited to come back? Or yes, you have to come back. But okay. no, I guess we we don't have to make it a surprise. It's um, 
Elizabeth Lasley, uh, she has, it's a Florida Keys podcast. Oh, um, will you be in the Keys when you do that podcast? I will be in the Keys. I will be, I will actually have to leave my campsite because I don't think I'll have a good enough signal to do it. But um, I'm excited about being in the Keys and I'll have a lot to bring to the party. There's some places we will eat in preparation for this podcast. Um, I love talking about the Keys. I love talking about the Keys when I'm in the Keys even more so please, please, please join us next week for the next episode. Um, We're running out of time uh, and we appreciate you listening. And uh, always, if you have any questions, email me, Kathy at floridaspectacular.com. If it doesn't matter what you want to know, if it's about Florida, we want to know, we'll answer your questions on the podcast because that is what we do. We are all Florida knowing. I would love to hear from some of our listeners about some of these ethical questions we brought up and and just what their take is. I mean, honestly, we're not going to debate, and I I don't think that's the way you solve these. It's fun to think about and explore. And, you know, like you wrote this wonderful blog about getting rid of the plastics, you know, that encouraged my wife to try and rid of our house of a lot of plastics. I think that's kind of what we're talking about is an, an exchange of information just to make you think. And I'd love to hear. It's, it's um, years ago, the paper I now own, I had an opinion column. Uh, it was called Hard Candy. And I used to say, I don't need you to agree with me. All I want is for you to think about it. Like, yeah. That's, we need to think. And, you know, we're so scared to have any controversial discussions because everything is so scary right now, especially in Florida. You know, people don't, it's kind of like when you find out somebody is, Ally, allied with your political viewpoints, almost like, oh, thank God, I can I can speak freely. People are scared to have tough conversations. Yeah. Um, well, it's it's gotten so ugly, and I think you know, hopefully, we could promote a civil exchange of differing opinions. Um, you know, I I don't I, well, we're we're closing, yes. and you know, there's there's Ask a lot here we could questions. Yes, yes, or or share we share your feelings. Oh. Sorry, I'm getting a call. Ah, someone's telling you right now how they feel about (laughs) it. Exactly. They're calling us now. The phones are ringing off the hook. (laughs) And we haven't even even dropped this episode yet. We haven't dropped the episode and we don't even have a Watts line. Remember those? (laughs) I I don't know what they are, but I heard about them. (laughs) I don't know what they are either, but I know we used to have them. Yeah. Um, Anyway. All right. I will um, definitely, definitely think hard about what I plant in my yard. I'm not going to plant any pythons. Definitely not. Uh, but seriously, folks, if you have any questions, uh, comments, we'd love to hear from you on this because it's not something we're going to debate. We're not going to solve it, but it's always good to hear differing viewpoints. That said, um, we'll put a few links. I've got a few things I want to share in the show notes. And we will see you next time on the Florida Spectacular. Thanks for listening. <laughs>